Hey everybody, this is Richard from Fergalicious Barbecue, and you are listening to Barbecue Base. Barbecue Base, the podcast for those that love a little low and slow in their lives. And as the seasons turn to autumn down here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, I expect there may be a bit more low and slowing happening in the coming weeks with a little bit of cold weather getting together with the ones that you love uh, rather than the home. Maybe you'll get to hot and fast. Who knows? But a man who knows everything about hot and fast and low and slow, as usual, I'm joined by my trusty co-host, and we're coming into a bit of a uh, bit of a dodgy time for uh, barbecue Jesus. Being Easter, he might be looking nervously over the shoulder and wondering if he's about to be thrown up on the old Asado grill for a bit of a bit of heating over time. It's barbecue Jesus himself, Noel Haspladakis. How are you, Noel? I'm very well, Alex. How are you, mate? Good week. Yeah, it's been a good week. Um, you know, lots going on. And as we're coming into the little holiday break, I think there'll be a lot of stuff going on people's grills and cookers in the next uh, few days. So uh, maybe some some bunnies, maybe some rabbit, maybe some, uh, I don't think there'll be much chocolate unless there's a bit of Mexican sort of inspired cooking going on, but you never know, a bit of ancho. Um, what about you? What's What's been on your grills? Mate, this week um, it's been a lot of lamb, um, and I just recently did a venison as well. So I did a venison ramen um, day before yesterday, which was absolutely awesome. So I just did that hot and fast on the master built, which was great. Um, and then yeah, lamb legs, lamb shoulders. Um, yeah, it's been good. Uh, I haven't quite got to my uh, new swift brisket yet. Um, everyone's been cooking those and smashing those out, but I'll be doing those one day next week while I'm working from home. So I'm looking forward to cooking the brisket and also the short ribs as well. Yeah, that's right. I've got one of those as well. So uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Now, um, thanks again to Jack Daniels, as usual, for our equipment partnership. Do love a little bit of uh, association with Jack Daniels. So thank you to Luke and the team there. And look, we promised you another trip stateside uh, this week, and that's exactly what we're going to deliver. Um, so we're... We're getting on our virtual plane to Kansas City again soon, and we're going to go visit with Ted Conrad, who, um, if you don't, if the name doesn't jump out at you, I'm sure you will recognize his company, Fireboard Labs. So um, anyone who's got one of the excellent fireboard temperature um, devices, whether it's just the the thermometer or you've got the drive or all the other bits that go with it, um, you will know his products very well. And I think that's going to be fascinating hearing about how that comes about, how they fight against uh, obviously the, the behemoth out there of Thermoworks and um, in the States and um, how what they've got coming up. So um, we'll be off to Kansas City again very soon. But before we uh, jump some news and roundups, um, I thought I'd give you a little update on my uh, hashtag Sear Revolution. Um, which has been uh, bubbling away in the background. So I know I added Noel to a little chat uh, room that we've got going last you night did. between a few of us who are quite interested that contains 
Um, I know Brendan Reismer's keeping a very close eye on things and Carl Granger, who you'll know is one of our top judges and head judges, offering his thoughts as we go along um, on that journey. So I tried, we did our first uh, seer last night. We had stakes last night and we were doing a bit of practice because my son is doing um, the smoke on the coast again for his stake. And I have, as you will know, you will keep me honest on this show, I have committed to a seared steak hand in uh, for that one. So we gave it a go. We had a few ups and downs. It wasn't too bad. I, I might post up that picture of the the first effort so we can track it on the on the barbecue based Facebook page. How about that? Um, reasonably happy with it. Um, like I said, a few ups and downs. We were searing, we, we reverse seared it on the PK. So with a little bit of um, cherry over some heat bead lumps, which was good. Uh, and we took that to, I took it to 130 on the on the smoke stage. And then um, I was using a cast iron pan. Now I only, ca- I cast iron it on the stob, not the stob, sorry, the, the hob. Uh, so on the stove top, uh, just because we had, normally you do it, um, well, I might, Actually, it's SCA. You can do it wherever you like. So, wherever you like, a, yeah, absolutely. Just use a gas burner, to be honest, because then my son was on the uh, the PK doing his on grill grates. So, um, just to get it out of the way. But uh, unbeknownst to me, he had uh, been fiddling around with the um, the infrared gun that we use to 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 get all our grill temps um, up, and uh, he he decided to put it onto Celsius versus Fahrenheit. So. <laughs> Uh, when I'm sitting there going, I don't know why this cast iron pan won't get past about 275 degrees, <laughs> 300 degrees in heat. It was actually sitting somewhere near kind of six, 700. Um, so house, house was filled with smoke as well, was it? <laughs> the house was filled with smoke. The smoke alarms were going off and probably why we were a little bit hot on that first sear, but um, mm. pretty good. Need to work a little bit on the evenness, obviously a little bit less color. It wasn't black, but uh, well, one side of it was a bit dark. Uh, the top side, which one I took the photo of was a bit more controlled, um, but work on that a bit. And I think some of the getting that even pressure on the stake for the sear is, is really um, crucial. Uh, so a little bit of work to do there. And I think after that first one, certainly in those conditions, and they were kind of SCA cut steaks. Like they were out of a full scotch roll that I, I cut up into sort of 28, um, 28 millimeter steaks. Mm. 28 millimeter. Yeah, what what steak were you using, mate? Oh, it was just a, it wasn't anything special. It was just something out of a, uh, when, when when either Gilmore's or or somewhere had a had a really good sale on, so mm. we were just using it. It was probably just Afco or something like that, but it was all right. It was fine. Um, I'd probably take it up maybe a couple more degrees. I think on the maybe something like 132 on the smoke. It was, I'd say it was just it was a touch under for SCA. Um, but having said that, the the boy nailed his doneness on a straight direct sear on grill grates. Uh, Pretty much took him off the grates, and he would have probably got a ten in doneness. I reckon his uh, his was bang on. So um, he's just got to work again. Those grill grates are a little hot because I think somebody had the in uh, Celsius versus <laughs> Fahrenheit. So our marks got quite dark. But the uh, sear revolution is underway. It will be happening at Smoke on the Coast. So if you want to join us in sear revolution, just um, let us know. And I think. The only rule to get into that little chat group might be uh, that you have to commit to a, a seared steak at Smoke on the Coast. So uh, put your money where your mouth is. 
and let's let's get on with that um but yeah definitely in effect and um yeah looking forward to the swift uh swift ribs black angus brisket update because i've got mm. one to do i think i'm doing it before our next and next show so i should we should be able to compare notes on yeah. the next show yeah i'll be doing it as well for sure just on the searing okay. mate i mean how did your color come out you know with the second one when the uh, temperature was a bit lower obviously you're looking for that sort of golden brown caramelization aren't you so how did you feel about the color I think it was still, there was places, it didn't get as even. Some of it was like really good, like mm-hmm. really nice golden brown caramelized, that kind of what you're looking for. And maybe other bits, the pan was probably still a little hot in places. So mm. it probably went, um, instead of that kind of golden mahogany that you're looking for, probably a bit more, uh, just a, a touch darker than that. So mm. we're getting there. We're definitely getting there. And we've got a few few weeks left to practice. Yeah. I think I might need to lend you my steak weight for the pan, mate, because that keeps it flat, right? Yeah, well, I've got uh, – we did use a steak weight in the pan. Um, but How much uh, did it weigh? Oh, it's one of the ones that um, Justin uh, Justin oh, makes. Yeah. The, thicker, um, the thicker one? Yep. Yeah, yeah cool. The thicker yeah, one. So it should, it should be it should be fine. But, yeah, we'll, we'll work it out. Cool. Uh, just a little bit more practice as usual. Yeah, practice makes perfect, doesn't 100%. it? 100%. Right. So a little bit of a roundup. Now we were going to give a plug to this, but actually it's sold out. And um, the barbecue butcher, which is Jeff Putt and our friends, Ken Van Mackelberg and Stacey Hart are putting on a um, butchery and barbecue class at barbecues and more on the 1st of May. And we would have uh, pushed you all to go buy tickets, but obviously everybody has. And that looks like it's going to be an absolute cracker of an event. Uh, So Jeff giving you all the butchery skills that you could want on your meat. And then Ken, one of the top chefs in the country going to show you how to cook it ably assisted by mr barbecue video the uh i don't know what we call him i think we should give him a name like the barbecue fireman or um, <laughs> yeah something like mr fire or something like that stacy hart hey yeah. he's got he's putting that reputation yeah i mean mate he's an awesome cook right i mean he's um he's cooking constantly so he always finds time to cook whether it's at home or if he's getting all the firemen to chip in for their lunches and dinners you know so he's always on the barbecue i love seeing what he turns out um you know obviously he was privileged enough to sort of do the whole hog service with him as well and he's he's actually a really good good bastard as well you know so he's just a really good guy to hang out with so um yeah no that that would be amazing um i think they've got some other dates planned you know in the pipeline i think they're going to do one in kerry kerry and i think they're going to come back to auckland as well so keep an eye out for that i mean you know respect all of those people in there um could learn a whole lot from them so yeah keep an eye out for the next ones Absolutely. Now, um, something that went down yesterday, which looked like a really good time, um, the Waikato Barbecue Alliance, bit of a shout out to you, having a an actual in-person get-together. How often do we have those at the moment in the last kind of 12 months? Not, not very often. Like, hey. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. And that would have been a good one to go to, actually. It's a shame I couldn't make it to that one. But yeah, it sounded like a good time. Exactly. Now that was down. It was held at Aber Living, which again might not sound like a household name to you, but when we say heat beads and Charmate and uh, a few other products, Oklahoma Joe's Masterbuilt. Yeah, all of that. You'll know who you'll know who we're talking about. So they hosted and they were very generous and gave away uh, a load of charcoal to people turning up. Um, obviously, gave the venues put out some pits and bits and pieces like that for them to use. Uh, shout to Wright's Meat Market and Gilmore's Hamilton 
who both provided um, things for the guys there to cook up and and consume during the day. And you know, shout out Matt Flanagan and the team down there at the Waikato Barbecue Alliance because they do some really good stuff and they're trying to make it very active. Um, and it's not it's more than just a Facebook page that one. So um, get along and have a look because they do like to uh, get together and they have a few kind of things like that which pushes along during the year. So it's it's always good. Um, right, we touched on them last week, but really quickly, still got a lot of the upcoming SEAs, which is very exciting. There's a uh, April seventeenth. Oh, I know that's gone. I don't know what that was. Oh, no, it's coming up. Oh, I don't know where I am. I'm all over the place. It's March, isn't it? It's not April. Gosh, you fool. <laughs> You're racing through the year. Uh, Christchurch, April 17th. Um, Pocono Steak Wars, still to be released for entries, but that's scheduled for May the 8th. Hanma Springs Sous Vide. I'm intrigued about that one. I've never cooked Sous Vide, but I'd love to see what happens. Uh, Mid-May with accommodation included and Hanma Springs. What a place. That, that would be a great place for a... Uh, uh, competition mm. so that would be Beautiful that one's going to be hot i reckon mm-hmm. and uh Teata 2 may 29th that's west auckland so that's something that's being planned um at the moment check up on the sca new zealand facebook page for details of all of those um because you know just a super easy way to get into into competition isn't it mm. that one i think um the sca page is just sca nz isn't it is that right yes, on Facebook? Correct. Yep, yep. So definitely, I mean, it's a wealth of uh, a wealth of information, not just on competitions, but also cooking tips. And there's lots of good banter in there as well. So if you're not following it already, do. Um, and yeah, look, just feel free to engage. You know, it's a really um, another really nice community in there as well. You know, and it's interesting. I noticed that um, obviously Ken's been talking it um, talking about it for a while, but the um, he's now stocking the Hasty Bake. Um, which is obviously that all-in-one tool for the SCA steak cooking. And mate, it looks like a little weapon, eh? It looks like it's full stainless. It's got grill grates on it. It's got crisscross grills. It's got multiple levels for your coals and warming drawers and all sorts of things. So I think that's really good. I think they've got two left and there is more on the way. But um, if you're really serious about getting into SCA, it's probably one of the pits to look at. Obviously, there's lots of GAs. There's lots of... um, um, the Oklahoma Joe, um, what's the small one called again? I forget off the top of my head. Oh, the Rambler. The Rambler. The Rambler. Um, and obviously and the, um, the PK. And the PK Grill as well, you know. So there's some really, really good options there. But I guess a unique selling point of this one, it's specifically built for steak cooking in the SCA. I think someone sort of came up with all the different things that you would need. So you've got it all in one unit. So for those of you that are traveling around the country, um, it's really good because you don't have to bring lots of extra equipment. You can just bring that in a sort of case and jump on the plane. So uh, definitely worth exploring there. And as I say, it's up on the uh, up with Barbecue Boy at the moment. Yeah, and if you want to see one in action, um, I would suggest either coming down to smoke on the coast soon because you'll see, well, I know of at least a couple that will be in action there. But um, if you jump on Facebook and search up the Barbecue Champs Academy page, um, they've just done a little steak cook-off series of videos, which are great. They're little 20-minute videos uh, with some of the best steak cookers in the world. And I know that John Lindsay... um, uses one of those in the second semi-final and the final. So um, you'll be able to see him him using that one there. Now, mm. speaking of smoke on the coast, uh, still some SCA spots left, so make sure you get yourselves in for those and still some Kids Q uh, 
spaces left. So still good opportunity for you all to get involved and um, have a good time. And a reminder, if you want to go as a um, punter, yeah, there it's there's free tickets. You have to get a ticket to get in, but it's free tickets. Um, and Blaze on Glaze, Blaze and Glaze, sorry, is on site for food. Um, so you'll be able to get something to eat while you're wandering around and having a look and having a chat with everybody. A um, couple of other reminders for you. The Jack Daniels Open in Napier, May 22nd. That's still got some spots. Um, give Brendan a, drop him a line at I4, that's letter I, number four, flair, F-L-A-I-R, at extra.co.nz if you want to get a spot there. And actually, keep an eye out. Uh, I saw some of the live broadcasts yesterday, but Brendan was a guest of um, Ben Arnott on Smoking Hot Confessions yesterday. So uh, the New Zealanders are certainly getting over there in the last few weeks. I was on it a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Brendan's been on it. Dan Tate's been on it. We're getting there. We're starting to make an impact into Australia taking over their shows. Um, so have a have a watch out for that because that, that was a great listen when, when Brendan was on. And a reminder, if you haven't already, get along to the Give a Little page for Truck Norris. Um, just search Truck Norris Give a Little. Still 4K raise so far, which is awesome, but um, I'm sure we can dig deep and get a few more pennies in the in the pot for um, Matt down there and get him back mm. on his feet. So, uh, look, before we get to um, some of our normal bits as well, I thought we'd give you a little bit of an update on the US scene. So the KCBS... Um, uh, t- team of the year race is well underway and last weekend we saw shake and bake barbecue taking out first place at the fire lake barbecue festival in shawnee oklahoma mm. um, and i've just seen literally today that at the saint robert uh, missouri competition brad leiniger and getting basted got his first win on the board or second win on the board i think for uh, the 2021 season. So two big names starting to roll their way up the ladder. If you don't know who Tim and Brad are, Tim uh, Tim Shear, he's known as the tallest man in barbecue. Uh, he's pretty tall. I think he's about <laughs> six foot five or something like that. Mm. Um, and he's the owner of Gateway Drums, uh, which you know some of you will be aware of, but those are absolute weapons that are being used. They're very, very popular in the US, so the Gateway Drum. Uh, so he builds and sells those. And he took mm. over running um, Blues Hog Barbecue from the legend Bill Arnold a few years ago. So um, if you've used any Blues Hog sources, you're helping Tim and his team out. And he's co-founder of the Barbecue League, who we talked with Richard Fergola about last week, with Brad Leiniger, who's getting basted. And Brad is the um, current KCBS Team of the Year champion from 2020. Uh, and look, if you haven't, if you don't really know what the team of the year race in KCBS is, it's a real endurance event. Um, teams cook sort of 40 to 50 contests a year if you if you want to win that, which is just kind of crazy. And they cook doubles on the same weekend and some weekends, you know, they'll pull in on a Thursday night to one contest, cook the Friday, pull up Friday night, drive to another one, cook Saturday and then go home Sunday. So it's nice. It's an absolute mental kind of thing. Um, current leader is Bald Hog Barbecue, which I hadn't heard of before. I do not have heard of Old Virginia Smoke, which is in second place at the moment. But look, that's all going to change. And we thought we'll keep up with this race during the year because with some of the names in the top 20, you know, you've got Getting Basted, Triple H, Heavy Smoke, which is Chris Schaefer, Porky Butts, which is Blaine Hunter, and Boomerang Barbecue. You know, they're just in the top 20. It's going to be a real cracker this year. Yeah. And um, 
the scale, you know, we've talked about the amount of contests, but the scale of those contests is crazy. So KCBS currently have 278 teams on their leaderboard. Um, and it, yeah, if you if you think some of our previous guests just this season, Richard Fagola of Fergalicious and Joe Pierce of Slaps, um, they're sitting at 110th and 149th respectively, and they're two of the best out there, right? And and they'll climb and climb and climb as they kind of get into their schedules. But um, it is a real achievement to be anywhere top 100 in that in that um, kind of company. So it'll be great mm-hmm. to keep an eye on that as we go through. Now, uh, Noel, um, I think we should we should give them just the tip. What's what's this week's just the tip from yeah, you? Yeah, mate, it's going to be a quick one because we're we're sort of going over old ground here. But we did the whole brisket roundtable, you know, and we talked very much about cooking brisket and some of the things to look out for. But I've noticed a uh, a couple of cooks on the NZBA page just recently, and and there's been some consistent feedback of oh, the flat was really dry, you know, but the rest of the brisket was actually really good, you know, so they were overall happy with that. And I just wanted to sort of touch on that for a minute because I think the whole probe like butter thing needs to be explained even further, right? There's a lot of confusion around that. So just wanted to talk about when I cook a whole brisket. So if we fast forward to we've wrapped, if you've wrapped, um, we're starting now to probe from 200 and we're trying to get a feel for whether the meat's still pulley or not. Um, The point on a brisket is always done before the flat, right? Um, in my experience. So if you put a probe in both, which I don't recommend you do, but I have done it before, um, you know, your your point will hit um, 207 way before your flat does, right? Um, another thing, when people um, think the flat is dry, typically they think they've overcooked it, but actually it's not. You're actually undercooking it. So the flat is also dry because you haven't broken down those connective tissues and those collagens, Um so it can actually be very dry when it's undercooked as well. So just wanted to talk about the probe like butter. So when you start probing there, your point will climb quite a bit further than the 207, 205, 207 that you want to take it off at, right? So there's so much collagen and so much connective tissue in there that it's not going to break down and go to mush. So the important bit to focus on on a big brisket, in my opinion, is the flat, right? So when you're actually probing with your toothpick, even if there's a 50 cent piece that's still not quite probing right but the rest of the flat is still probing keep cooking until the whole flat probes like butter it's really important okay so your concentration moves from the point which you know is done to the flat keep probing and you want it all to be probing like butter before you actually vent and rest that okay and I think you'll get much better results like that. So I've seen a lot of cooks where people have gone, the flat is dry. I just wanted to clarify that it's probably undercooked and you needed to take it a little bit further. So so maybe try that. Um, there's a couple of caveats there. I mean, I do trim, if anyone's seen my brisket trims, I do trim them quite hard, you know. So the leading edge of a lot of New Zealand briskets is quite thin. It can be sort of 10 mil. And generally, I'll cut that back. So it's at least 20 mil basically on the side of the flat, right? So if you're actually cooking with that 10 mil piece on, you potentially could overcook that piece. So don't get confused there. So what I would do is actually trim that thin leading edge off, keep probing, keep probing, make sure that every single part of that flat probes like butter before you take it off and vent and rest. And that's yeah, my tip a good of the week. Point. Yeah. And it is, it is very much so. I find also like – there's no problem if you if your point is done just you could slice that point off just leave the fat over the top of the flat and leave the flat back on and chuck the point into rest 100 same 
same principle as what we do when we separate at competitions. But um, yep. no worries about taking that point off if you're not, you know, if you don't want to do the full slice through the point and the brisket, and or you're mm. making burnt ends or something, it can mm. come off then. And I always find it's the the last bit to go is always that middle section near the point which makes sense right because it's usually mm-hmm. the fattest bit of the meat so right. you know you can get really soft around the edges of that and think that you're done but if you really want to find it put it in that right that bit where you normally got your temp probe because that's mm-hmm. why you put your temp probe in there right but, absolutely yeah, that's definitely a good point and you'll know if you've under- overcooked it because it crumbles <laughs> Yeah, that's when you've overcooked. Yeah, <laughs> when the thing falls apart. Yeah, and look, I mean, you know, we talked about the window for error last week when we were talking about talking about hot and fast, right? So if you're cooking at two fifty, two seventy five, I mean, my chosen temperature is two seventy five. You've actually got a bit of time. So if it's done, and you, you know, if it's done in between probes, it's not the end of the world. Um, as you're practicing that, you don't always get it right. Okay. So pulled brisket makes great tacos. It makes great chili con carne. So if you do mess the flat up and it do, do overcook it, just repurpose it, make pies, make chili, make, make whatever, but you don't need to throw that away. It's actually still perfectly good meat if you run it through a sauce or use it in something else. Absolutely. Right. Well, now we've talked about how to get the perfect brisket. Um, who has got your cook of the week? Is it a brisket? I wonder. Might might be. I don't actually know. But Mate, who's it's getting actually, anointed? Yeah, it's actually not a brisket. Um, so again, went through some amazing cooks um, this week. Um, the one that absolutely stood out for me is another another friend of the show. I mean, he's been on before early on. But I'll just read what he said. So he said, mince some brisket and made some brisket jalapeno sausages. Called into Downey City Butchery and got some skins and dry mix. Mixed them all together and happy days. Lit up the Oklahoma Joe Bronco with heat beads briquettes with chunks of oak from Urban Lumberjack. Smoked low at 250 for about 40 minutes. So easy and really good. Um, so this is Joe Herman um, from the Hawks Bay. Um, obviously, team I sponsor, Blitz Creek Barbecue. He's made these sausages from scratch, and I'm a big fan of anything being done from scratch, basically, because there's a lot of effort that goes into a sausage just to sort of get the texture right. You know, you've got to almost have the meat at zero degrees when you're pushing it through the, you know, when you're pushing it through the skins. But he's managed to, the the texture looks bang on. He's obviously put big chunks of cheese in it because you can kind of see through the cut that it's, you know, there's nice big chunks of melted cheese. And good solid bits of jalapeno. You know, I'm not a big fan of jalapeno sausages where you can't actually see the jalapeno through the skin. So to me, um, when they're hanging, obviously drying, he's obviously going to transfer those into the fridge and dry them out a little bit before cooking them. But you can see the jalapeno, you can see big cheese chunks and the smoke ring on it is absolutely insane. So, mate, for me, that was the cook of the week, you know, sausage from scratch, good old traditional jalapeno and cheese uh, beef sausage. Um, Yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. So well done, Joe. Awesome cook, mate. Beautiful. Beautiful. Awesome awesome stuff. Now, uh, Noel, I think our virtual flight is leaving and it's time we <laughs> hightailed, hightailed ourselves over to Kansas City. So let's go chat with Ted. So Noel and I have just jumped off our virtual flight to Kansas City and we have uh, joined Ted Conrad, founder at Fireboard Labs, um, previously from reading some stuff online, investment guy, tinkerer, electronics geek, and now Fireboard's chief. So we're pretty excited as Fireboard users ourselves to welcome Ted to Barbecue Base. Welcome to New Zealand and the show. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks, Noel. Thanks, Alex. 
Well, Appreciate being on and uh, hit the nail on the head. I'm a geek, geek all around. Well, that's that's for somebody who can invent one of the best temperature devices out there on the market. I would say um, you'd have to be a bit of a geek because it's yeah. way beyond my my mental ability to do anything like that. Now, yeah. um, before I guess we get to um, Fireboard itself and the devices, um, yeah, how did you how did you go from being 14 years in the investment world to deciding hey you know what i'm gonna make a barbecue device were you super into cooking i know you're from kansas so that's a big area for for it was that a driver how, how does that thought process move that way <laughs> you went the long answer or the short answer we've got we've got a lot of time <laughs> well i'll shoot for a medium answer but you know well for for one thing i've always enjoyed technology. You know, we built uh, trading systems. We really got into building our own software in terms of the investment world. Uh, was kind of in the hedge fund, kind of like derivatives, futures options type of stuff. So we we really enjoyed the more, I guess, technical side of, of finance. And <clears throat> that sort of really transitioned right into Fireboard. You know, if you think about in the investment world, we were collecting time series data, right? We were collecting time series data on futures prices and option prices and stock prices. And now we're collecting time series data based on temperature, you know, so it, it all fits into the the data and the way the technology works kind of the same way. And it's real time, you know, so we were building systems working in real time. The same thing we're doing here at Fireboard. It's reacting to things real time. Mm. So that was, in a way, probably a lot of people see it as a big change. From the technology side, it wasn't really a, a huge change. Now, to get into a little bit more of the financial world, you know, there's nothing wrong with you know, financial services, obviously, that there's a huge role that plays in making things run smoothly you know, efficient flow of investment funds into different companies. But there's, without saying too much, it just feels like there's a lot of guys building financial products to basically just make a lot of money. And the the value add of that one more incremental mutual fund or that new fund that they just set up, you know, it's not like it's really making the world a better place. Um, so we wanted to think about, you know, how could we build something that would actually either improve someone's life or make something easier, you know, that was just maybe a little bit more difficult in our situation. It seemed obvious that it's like, gosh, everybody's so busy, you know, the weekend and you're trying to grill something or cook something and you're running to the soccer game, you're trying to go to the store. So in this case, it's like, gosh, it's so simple to be able to pick up your phone and just make sure you're cooking dinner, you have friends over, everything's still on track, right? And so it's the peace of mind knowing that you invested, gosh, a lot of money in the brisket or whatever you're cooking and dinner's, dinner's still on track and you can kind of go on with your life, not worry about it. Um, so that's that was sort of where the angle was. And we didn't know if it would work, right? Any startup, you have no idea <laughs> if anybody's going to buy your product. You know, we spent, uh, Stephen Brigham my co-founder who we met in college, but, you know, we spent about a year and a half 
researching and developing the technology. And then you have no idea if somebody's going to buy it, right? You build this product. So uh, we kind of were thinking about commercial stuff as well, you know, with cold storage, temperature tracking, uh, food production, all that stuff. And it turned out, you know, we, we are doing that. Uh, we have that kind of as a parallel sales channel, if you will, even, even today at Fireboard. But the consumer side obviously has been growing pretty rapidly. And we're lucky enough, and I'm thankful that people seem to like using the product. Um, so, you know, the word of mouth has been tremendous. You know, and I know we have Derek, you guys have worked with him, our New Zealand distributor, uh, Derek Paul, and uh, he's been great. He reached out to us. So the word of mouth has been tremendous. So I, I can't thank the community enough. And again, we're just thankful for being able to keep on plugging away here, being a young, a young company. Now you, you mentioned there around, um, you know, being able to be out and about and that for a long time was fireboards, real distinguishing feature that it wasn't just Bluetooth connectivity, which obviously as soon as you go out of, out of range, you're done. You were always, um, cloud connected as well, which had that great thing. You're dead right of being able to be in the shop or the barbecue store, just roaming around from a Saturday and still knowing that your temps were sitting nice and solid. Um, was were you the first cloud-based uh, device? Because it seems like people since then have have got on that bandwagon. But were you guys the first? Do you know that? Uh, we like to say we're the first smart cloud-connected thermometer. So, <laughs> and not not to insult anybody else, but you know, it just seemed like what was out there on the market. And to be honest with you, I haven't used all the products that are out there on the market. Um, it, I guess. Yeah, we're so busy testing and researching our own stuff. Um, so I don't know, but I, I know from what people have said and what other people told me that it, especially back in 2014, um, and we started in 15, but leading up to that, there was at least we couldn't find anything that was simple to use or anybody that could tell us of anything that was simple to use. And by simple, I just mean you take it out of the box and it just works. You know, it, it just connects. You type in your pass, your wireless password and it connects and it works. You download the app and it connects and you're basically within two or three steps, you're up and running. Everything else was, you know, open a port in your router. You have almost have to be a network administrator, you know, to get the thing to work the right way. And it probably some of those things would work, but, you know, it, by that complex setup, you tremendously narrow your your audience and uh, your customer base. So yeah, I think it's simple to use and it's, it seems to be working. So that's, that's what we really aim for from the beginning. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I mean, I've, I, both Noel and I obviously have them and um, super easy, right, right from the start. I think you're, you're dead right. You're two steps and yeah, I was actually, I, w- I think I'd put aside about 20 minutes to set mine up and I was done in about 90 seconds and I was a bit like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. I was I was going to say as someone that's used multiple dev- devices on the journey so far, um, I remember getting the fireboard the first time and it just exactly what you said, you know, three steps and it was pretty much there. And then I remember getting the uh, drive system, you know, and with the original one that I had, it had a drive cable plugging at end thinking yep that was going to be a big deal and actually it just plug your temperature in and the fan started running and that was it you know so it was it was an awesome experience like a customer experience so that that really stood out for me and yeah never looked back really as you know <laughs> yeah how did you guys first hear about fireboard 
Was it through Derek? I think uh, you you would say that it it gets um, you know one of the if you think of the most the five top questions that ever get asked in a barbecue Facebook page, it's always what what temperature should I take this to? What smoker should I get? What rub should I use? And and what's the best temperature device out there or the, te- the thermometer that I should buy? So um, it's pretty hard in our groups not to see Fireboard pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when anybody goes, I, I'm happy to, I want to make an, a good investment in a, in something that's not going to, you know, crap out after mm. six cooks or something like that. And I don't think I ever see, I can't think of anything negative I've ever seen. It's always been this, this piece of equipment is worth the investment. It's a kind mm. of, you know, 10 year thing. And I've had mine for a few years now and I'm still running a fireboard one, but cause it does everything at, that I need it to do. And we run that for our home cooks. We run it for our competition cooks. Um, my, my teammate is a bit of an electrics kind of tinkerer guy as well. So at the last competition, he'd rigged it up so that the um, temps were all showing on a 40 inch screen in our, oh, cool. in our setup running off his computer, running off the fireboard and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. I was like, brilliant. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, it just has a really good name here, you know? Yeah. Um, well, let, let's run through though. For for those who are a little uninitiated into the world of fireboard, take us through the kind of the barbecue side products that that you guys have. And it all started with you know the fireboard one, which is a fairly non-distinct little black unit. You know, if you it's not it's not this sort of massive thing with dials and everything ever. It's very compact and and very user friendly. But take us through the the product range that you have now for the for the probably for the backyard guy or the barbecue guy. Yeah. It's, it's funny too, cause we were just recently, we had some reasons to go back and kind of look through some of our initial uh, communication. And, and when you think about when we started the company in 2015, going back and kind of reviewing just the very initial work that we did. And it was, it's interesting. We actually started the company with, with the intention of doing control and, um, actually even controlling uh, pellet grills um, because you know, I, I had a pellet grill sitting on my patio and, you know, I think it was my neighbor that was doing some work and was able to arrange kind of a friends and family discount thing. So I kind of got into barbecue and the, the thought was I had, was like, good grief, this pellet grill sitting here, why can't I set the temperature and then monitor it on my phone from anywhere in the world? And we, when we started, in 15, we decided we're going to build the thermometer first and make sure we get that right, get all the, the back-end technology right, of course, all the server stuff, cloud stuff working, and then we'll circle back around and pick up the control kind of as step number two. Uh, but even the beginning, and you, you obviously you guys have the first fireboard, yep. even those fireboards have the little auxiliary port on the side, and that was done, again, that was... That was done in 15, 2015. That was designed in because we knew we'd want to add the accessory to do the control later. I think we came out with a fan control. Maybe it was early 2017 or something like that. Um, and of course, that's you know for the charcoal and the wood smokers. And it adds on with a little, it's actually a little circuit board that's sort of encapsulated in a, in a rubber overmold mm-hmm. 
in that there's quite a bit of electronics, believe it or not, inside of that circuit board because um, we're doing a variable voltage. It's basically like a like a remote control car. You know, there's like the speed controllers. Um, and so it's effectively a, a motor controller inside on that on that drive board. And that way we can get the variable speed of the fan and be pretty precise about the temperature control. So it was, you know, of course, Fireboard 1, we had on the drive cable next in 2017. And then about in 2018, we started working with Yoder smokers, which I guess you guys are, I'm sure, familiar with, with Yoder. We have them down here. Um, they probably aren't as prevalent just because of uh, the size and cost that they are in a lot of places, but there's definitely um, sales places and, and they're, they're definitely seen as one of the premier, uh, definitely pellet cookers, but also pits that you could get. You know. Yep. Yeah. And so those guys are based out of Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, Yoder, Kansas, which is basically right in Hutchinson, uh, which is about two hours, two and a half hours from us here in Kansas City. Um, and so those guys reached out to us. We had some mutual friends um, and their their branding, which is like, as you alluded to, Alex, is the premium side of the market, right? They've, it's it's all US made. I mean, very thick gauge steel. And so the same approach that we took, which was, hey, look, we'd rather build a quality product and do it the right way and price it maybe a little bit, just a little bit higher and but it but it, the value is there right because it's so much better and so i think that's what they've they've done with their market and so we felt like the brands really aligned that way so we worked on developing a new controller for them and that like i said i think that was 18 and then in 19 i think mid 19 is when we launched it they they effectively switched out their controllers and started with their second generation or the, the fireboard powered controllers, if you will. Um, so that was nice. And then uh, last year we came out with fireboard two um, and then fireboard two has basically three flavors of fireboard two. There's the, the base model and then there's fireboard two drive, which has a built in little port on the side to directly control the fan. And then there's Fireboard 2 Pro, which is a thermocouple-based thermometer. Um, and it's just a it's a different type of temperature probe, even though it seems like a very a, a trivial difference. Some people are like, well, what? A thermocouple is the same thing as a, any other temp sensor. There's The science behind the thermocouples are quite a bit different. Uh, the thermocouples are more expensive. The circuitry inside the device is a little bit more complicated to read thermocouples. Um, and it ends up, the benefit is, is a very high temperature range. In fact, it's a pizza company, a pizza oven company that reached out to us that wanted to have us develop something that could be used in their pizza ovens. And thermocouples was really the right answer. And so we eventually came out with that. Um, and it, we've had a lot of people that like wood burning stoves where they're trying to track and monitor I think they're heating their house and stuff, but those things get extremely hot. And so they're trying to keep it within a certain range. Uh, thermocouples are great, even down at cold temperatures as well. So you get an extreme range and then they're very fast. They react very fast. Um, so anyway, that's that was the last product to hit. Um, just because we're doing a, a podcast here, I don't know if 
most people are going to be listening. They may not necessarily be able to see, but I'll, I'll show you guys something that nobody has ever seen before. Wow. <laughs> right here. Okay. <laughs> and uh, for those of you listening, I'm, I'm showing them a, looks like a stretch limousine version of the fireboard too. It does. And uh, looks like a lot more 12, ports as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, it's 12 channels. Wow. <laughs> this is not on the market yet. I uh, just give you guys a little bit of a sneak a sneak peek preview here. This is really designed for commercial use. Um, and in the back, this is a prototype. Uh, this isn't the final production, but there's actually uh, two relay outputs on the back. Um, so the commercial guys, as I alluded to, some of the grocery stores and restaurants and stuff, they've wanted, they've, they've requested that if we have a relay output, we could control the alarm. Like if they have an alarm system, and if somebody leaves like a freezer door open or something, yeah, right now we're just sending like a text message or we're sending like a notification through the Fireboard app. But this will be a hard wired output going into their alarm system, which everybody in their alarm system, you know, they'll get a phone call and they get the, the alerts and all that stuff. Um, and then they also wanted the extra channels they can wire up across the whole grocery store and stuff like that. So this will probably be, we'll probably sell this on our site to consumers as well for those crazy guys that want 12 channels. <laughs> there'll, there'll be somebody, won't there? There'll be, there'll be somebody who you'll look at their, like probably a comp guy who's set up at some point and there'll just be wires everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So we built it just because we could. So. Mm -hmm. And what <laughs> anyway. are you, what are you calling that one? Have you named that one yet? Or? Well, we've, we've been calling it the fireboard uh, commercial. And we'll probably come up with something else besides for that. <laughs> if you guys have any ideas, let me know. <laughs> we, we run a competition. Now, um, tell me about, go back into the, sort of the, the consumer end a little bit. And I noticed um, from your website, you're now talking about the fact that voice assistants, so like Alexa, et cetera, um, are compatible in with the fireboard. So um, that's something which I'm yet to set up, obviously. I haven't done that for mine, but I'm pretty keen having got, the Alexas through my house. So, um, yeah, what are the advantages and what can people do with that sort of thing? What's it going to do? Yeah. I mean, it's, to me, it's a hands-free aspect. And I, the first the, or the most obvious thing I can think of is when you're in the kitchen and cooking dinner and your things are, are getting close to being finished on the grill, right? Maybe you're, you know, you're within an hour of the, the pork or the, the brisket finishing and then you're prepping everything else. So you're, you've got all sorts of stuff around, your hands are dirty. You don't want to pick up your phone and get the phone dirty to figure out where the temperature is. So it's just a real quick shout out, you know, Hey Alexa, what's my fireboard temperature? And she just reads through all the, all the channels that you have. Um, we also have set up, um, you can set an alert now through Alexa. Uh, the same, the same voice commands I me. Mean, there's like this little, the nuance or, you know, of, of how you speak to the, the Google system is a little bit different than how you speak to Alexa, but um, the same stuff, you can set up alerts. Um, I think you can set your drive set point temperature um, and it'll, it'll tell you what the alerts are as well. So it's really a hands-free. Now I will say the other thing, the, the watch, um, which I can pull this up here, but I mean, the watch is super handy. Um, you can actually, I'm sure you guys have seen this 
but for those of you again listening, I'm just showing a picture. You can you know on your on your Apple Watch, uh, you can actually see all the channels of your active fireboards. And again, hands free is the goal. So again, just to simplify when you're in the kitchen, just to kind of at a glance, you know, see what your temperatures are. Yeah, you're so right because I mean, even yesterday I was using mine, um, but. I had gloves on, you know, latex gloves because we were doing a load of stuff with hot things. So I had, you know, lifting up stakes and things like that. And even just being able to get your phone open, obviously it's easier with your facial recognition now, but then to navigate through and if you're switching between timers and things like that, as soon as the screen gets messed up, it's really difficult and it doesn't pick up your, you know, your body heat as, as well. So that I can just imagine that being certainly game changing for me and setting that that kind of alert of saying, you know, you're, when you've got loads of people around and it's saying, hey, you're five degrees off your check temperature. So then you go, okay, right, now I know that I'm 10 minutes away or 20 minutes away. So that's cool. So I've got it in my head. Oh, yeah, it's a brilliant thing. And it works with both Alexa and Google. So you've got it set for both home assistants. Yep. So Alex, you won't, yeah. even, you won't even have to get out of bed now, mate, to check your temps at comp, oh. you see. You'll be able to just talk <laughs> to your Alexa unit in the tent. and <laughs> Yep. That's a great feature, actually. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was um, yeah, that was possible. So that's great. And I think eventually there was some talk about Apple with their home, their home kit or whatever they're calling it. I think eventually they're going to open that up as well. I'm not sure if it's open yet. Um, and by open, I just mean like allowing people to add their third party stuff, if you will. So to, to build these plugins where you can ask. Siri, I guess, is what the Apple thing is. So, hey, Siri, what's my fireboard temperature? But that surely will be on our list. As soon as that's open, we'll be trying to get that out as well. So what are the key differences for somebody if they're looking at, you know, should I get a fireboard one or a, or the new fireboard two? You know, what are the key upgrades for the, for the consumer side outside of the thermocouples, which a lot of people are going to kind of leave to the commercial guys, I guess. But if you're, you know, you're weighing up those two things, what are, what are the benefits of two? Yeah, the new the new Fireboard, you know, the second generation, calling it Fireboard two, but the second generation really, um, it, it's a it's a really nice large screen. Um, I guess I've got one over here that I can kind of reach for, but you know, it, effectively the device, honestly, really isn't that much bigger than the original Fireboard, but the screen effectively just fills up the whole device, and that was a big huge part of our design effort was try to really focus on the screen. Uh, now, ironically, we built a cloud connected thermometer, so you don't have to be there at the device. So some people are like, why do you need a screen? Well, and to be honest, you don't need the screen. So I guess we could have done without the screen altogether. But <laughs> um, but it's but it nice for that, for that quick glance, you know, that kind of yeah. quick throw your it's, eyes over at the smoker and know exactly where you're at. Exactly. I mean, some people, if you're, you know, obviously you're out and about, you just use your phone. But if you're there at the house, you probably walk over and it's, it's really easy just to see it. Um, and there's a real big text, text mode readout. Um, so the, the screen, and then I guess the, the other big upgrade, um, having the drive built in, so you don't have that secondary cable that kind of is a, a dongle, a little bit of, a little bit of an awkward kind of cable, I guess, um, uh, just kind of cleans that up. So you plug the drive right on there. Um, the USB-C is kind of a cool feature as well. And again, I'm I'm the nerd geek on the electronic side, right? But there, there's a new thing called USB PD, sort for power delivery. Um, and believe it or not, the device 
talks to the charger, the wall charger. And so if you have a power delivery charger, it's like the new Apple MacBooks, right? They're all USB-C. So the device basically sends a request to the charger to say, hey, charger, what can you do? What power voltage can you return back to my device? And sometimes it'll say nine volts. Sometimes it'll say 12 volts. And so if you're using a PD charger, which we supply, then the Fireboard will request 12 volts, which again, works great if you're running a fan. Because you don't have to do this crazy boosting it from five volts up to 12 volts. Because you run the fan full speed, it's a 12 volt fan. So having that power, and that took a lot of work. I mean, it took a lot of work to, to put the power circuitry in place you know, we're charging a lithium ion battery. At the same time, we're also powering a fan, variable voltage. I mean, you're receiving all that current from and my Apple series going crazy as I'm talking here. But. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the, the power side. And then we, lastly, the Fireboard 2, it's much more water resistant. Um, it's, it's effectively sealed, except for, it's, it's ironic, we built this and we have you know, we have six probe ports, we have a USB, we have two channel or two ports on the side. So there's there's more ports that you find on the Fireboard than a, a $3,000 MacBook laptop. <laughs> but, um, so those, those are still somewhat problematic if you're out like in a torrential downpour and you leave the device like upside down where water can get into those ports. You have to be a little careful, especially kind of leaving it at a nice angle so the water doesn't go right up into those ports. But but barring that, you know, it's it's very water resistant. I mean, I've had it out in the spring rains here in Kansas City, even in the you know, snowstorms throughout the winter, and no problem. I mean, I I intentionally try to abuse it, you know, for testing and I try to break it. <laughs> we we don't uh, we don't get as much of the snow, certainly not up here in Auckland, um, which is fairly sub tropical well it's not really subtropical i guess it's in a temperate zone is what they call it down south we'll get more snow but certainly i have had mine out in some pretty harsh uh rain we certainly are, are well we are well well um versed in rain down here we're a very <laughs> wet country but um and and a number of times i've had to put mine under the bucket is the way that i use it <laughs> chuck it under a chuck it under a steel bucket and that but certainly some of our competitions get very wet and uh you have to it it holds up really really well um so that's a, a great point and and if it that new one has got that level of water tightness where you're literally just talking about the probe entry parts that's a that's a big benefit for down here i'll tell you that definitely and i had a question just on um i guess a lot of people ask me so i uh, I learned about the fireboard through Derek. So you asked that a little bit earlier, you know, and I had some real good conversations with him about the tech inside the unit. Um, and there were some really key things about that, that I guess justified the price point. Right. So a lot of people say to me, you know, they come to me and go, look, we can see you're using it. You use it heaps, you promote it. What's so good about it? Why is the price point so much higher? Why should I be spending that extra money? Um, how do you respond to that? I know how I respond to that, but what would you say to someone that's sort of, you know, looking to spend an extra $200 over a standard thermometer? You know, how do, how do you respond to that? Yeah. Well, yeah. The shortest thing I could say is you get what you pay for. <laughs> but but to really answer your question, I mean, the the internal electronics, we have gone to great lengths to use higher quality components. And 
and it's it's hard to I guess to get into the weeds too much, but I mean, it, you know, some of the components, you know, there's there's name brand components, and then there's you know, for instance, like a like a Chinese kind of knockoff, if you will. And so, I mean, we're using a lot of high end components. I mean, that comes down if you think about at the heart of the circuit, you're converting an analog reading from the probe into a digital reading. And the digital reading is then what's picked up by the internal programming of the board, the microcontroller, and then that gets pushed up through the cloud and whatnot. But it's that analog to digital convert converter, that ADC chip. Um, and we've we've gone to pretty great lengths to use uh, good, nice components there. Mm. Um, we have a very large battery. I mean, it's a 4,000 milliamp battery, which I think is, I think is more than most of the cell phones even out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gives you that horsepower, you know, to run the the long cooks on the fans and stuff like that. And by, and by the way, running the fan off of battery, having the option to, you can't run at full speed, but you can run it at 40, 50% or so, which is enough for most for most people just to kind of flip on the fan just a little bit to kind of regulate it. That was huge for us. I mean, that was, in fact, I remember back in, uh, I think it was 2016, uh, the, the third partner, um, one of the guys who's been doing the electrical engineering work, um, extremely talented guy. He's like, Ted, you can't run the fan off the battery. You know? <laughs> and I said, you know, darn it. We really, we need to have that feature. And, and that's, people love that, right? I mean, they love being able just to walk out to their grill. They don't have to plug in an extension cord, you know, and figure out blah, blah, how to wire this up, right? Just walk out to the grill, plug in your fan and it works. Now you can't, again, like I said, you can't run it at full speed for the whole night. If you have it, if you have it set up correctly, if you have your grill set up correctly, you don't really need to use that much fan. All you need is just to kind of kick on, push some air in, kind of kick it back up to the temperature and then it should kind of hover pretty close if you have your vents configured correctly anyway. I mean, the battery life, the battery life that you talk about, it's a real feature. Like I've had mine without a fan pretty much on for, you know, probably 30-odd hours, and it's held up at a competition. Like I haven't had to recharge it. You know, I, I don't have mine plugged in when I'm at, at competitions. It's away from our electric setup, so... Um, having that length of battery, especially when you're talking about two days worth of stuff, or even for people, you know, most people won't have theirs plugged in when they're outside and they're at the house, right? Because you won't have electrical points. Um, so it's a real positive, like it's a really good feature. And and the Fireboard 2 is a step above that as well, right? So I've got the Fireboard 2 now and it's just, yeah, I mean, multiple cooks without recharging. It's crazy. Yep. Yeah. And then the the cloud side of it is I think where... It, it, it's it's fair to say, but I mean, we we aren't charging for the cloud ex- explicitly, right? I mean, we don't charge when people download the app or when they store cooks. We don't charge anything for that. But that does obviously there's a cost, right? I mean, we're paying every single month. We're paying more and more to store all this data, um, and to run the servers and to make sure the servers can scale correctly. Around like for the U.S., Thanksgiving holiday is is massive in terms of the demand on the cloud system. And so we have to build, we have to put a lot of work into the cloud back end and there's a cost with that. And so I think that's part of the price that we've, we've kind of come up with, with the devices is that, you know, there is that really nice engineering that we've done on the software side on the back end cloud. And we kind of have to make sure we, we cover those costs. 
But the nice thing is, I mean, I think people enjoy, you know, being able to open their app and it always works. And that's, and that's why. And definitely that that's a great feature as well. Like when I, you're an electronics geek, I'm a temperature um, reviewing geek of my cooks when I'm trying to work out what <laughs> what's happened. And I can happily spend, you know, a few hours just sitting on the app going back through my old my old cooks and looking for spikes and things like that. So it's something that you just don't get from from other other places. Now, um obviously down here you feel like uh certainly here in Australia there's a lot of noise and a lot of buzz. Where else in the world are you guys popular? Like where else is it really kicking off? And and what's it like in the US, which is just such a huge market. And obviously Thermoworks kind of has a big presence that they don't really have down here. So you've got that first mover advantage down here, definitely, and uh, get that foot in the door. But where else is it popular? So the uh, one of one of the Yoder, or I guess the the Yoder distributor in Europe, his name is Clint Meyer, uh, Barbecue Europe. So he's based out of Prague, uh, Czech Republic, and he's he's been bringing Yoders in to Europe, and then he basically contacted us. He said, Hey, Ted, could I bring in fireboard as well? And there was a nice synergy there anyway, right. With, with the Yoder and the fireboard stuff anyway. So that, that made total sense. And honestly, I mean, Clint's been doing a great job. I mean, it's, um, it's not easy just to sort of throw up a shingle and say, here's, here's a new product. You know, I mean, people have to learn about it. There has to be some word of mouth. There has to be some sort of organic. I mean, obviously you can, do a ton of marketing and advertising dollars spend as well. But um, I think he's found the same thing that we found is after about a year and a half or so, you get a really nice organic word of mouth growth. And so he's been, you know, he's been selling a number of, of units in Europe, which is kind of exciting to see. And we were, we were hoping last year, uh, one, one little side tangent story, we were down in HPBA, have you guys familiar with HPBA? It's the one of the trade shows. It's a, kind of a U.S.-based trade show. But honestly, there's international visitors that come in. Um, Hearth Patio Barbecue Association is HPBA. And so tons of barbecue stuff. And it was March of last year. And literally, we were on the way down. We're thinking, this thing is going to be canceled. Like, I'm going to land get off the airplane and we're going to get an email. It's going to say this event's canceled, <laughs> but uh, believe it or not, they kept the show going and they, their claim to fame is, is it was the last North American trade show of the year. <laughs> uh, so, but, uh, but anyway, we were talking to some people at that show and they were saying Spoga, I think there's a show called Spoga Gaffa, which is in Germany is a really great trade show as well. And it's more geared towards, I think, like wholesale distribution and all that. So it's not geared towards like the individual consumers, but it's geared towards people who are owning these businesses and owning the distributorships. But they some people said, gosh, if you could go to that show. So we were hoping to go. And of course, I, I'm not sure if this year it's going to happen. But of course, last year it didn't happen. So I think there's tons of potential in Europe. I think Clint's already built a really good... Uh, base groundwork for for kind of launching the fireboard in Europe. Um, I'm excited, honestly. I would and we. I've talked to Derek. I'm like, <laughs> love to. I think we missed our little window uh, before everything got shut down. But as soon as things open up, I mean, we'd love to make it down in New Zealand and 
actually connect with you guys would be fun. Go to, you know, I mean, I think we should do some, we could sponsor like a barbecue competition or do something. Mm. Yeah, I think it'd be, I think it'd be a blast. Yeah. I think it'd be awesome so, to have you for sure. <laughs> and as soon as our borders are open, we'll be uh, hoping to see a lot of people in the barbecue mm. world. Absolutely. Um, and um, mate, what's next for Fireboard? I mean, obviously you've told us a bit about the product roadmap. Obviously you've got the commercial unit coming out, which is yet to be named, but um, you know, what, where's your thinking at, at the moment in terms of where the product could go? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we are pretty excited about something and we're hoping it's going to be, I guess, before the Christmas holiday this year. Um, and I think it's, you know, I can't tell you what it is, but I mean, it generally is, is the same idea with what we've done, right? We built a, a temperature monitoring device. The Fireboard works really well for that today. I think we have more ideas about products just like that, um, different form factors, right? Um, maybe even a wider sort of use case for just cooking in general, uh, not necessarily low and slow barbecue guys. I mean, if people use a fireboard even today for all sorts of just ordinary cooking. I mean, if people use their crock pot, you know, we have, I don't know if you guys have crock pots in New Zealand, but you know, it's just like the, little heated ceramic dish sort of thing. And you just throw something in there and they use fireboard for that. But I think what we're trying to do is, is broaden that product lineup and, um, and potentially, you know, expand and kind of diversify at a price point level. You know, it is obviously a little higher price, but if you think about the fireboard today, it's six channels, there's all these ports, there's all these features. Um, so I think there's, there's room to try to build that, um, level that pricing lineup, if you will. So that's that's what we're targeting. Um, and so it will be pretty exciting, hopefully, if we can pull that off here before the holidays. Absolutely. Well, we're looking forward to seeing what's coming next. But um, look, I think I think we can all say that you are an expert in um, knowing temperature and controlling temperature. And now it might be time to blow that expertise out the water because we're pretty oh. excited we're pretty excited today because um ted has agreed that he is going to take part with us in 10 burning questions which a lot of times our um our american guests don't uh we don't do with but we're we're super super we thought it would be apt with ted considering you're such such a, a temperature guy so um that we are using our usual which is the new zealand um uh, brand, which actually, ironically, I think is also owned by a guy called Clint Meyer, which is interesting, which is the Fire Dragon Chilies um, hot sauce from down here in New Zealand. Uh, oh, we're, wow. we're as, as usual, using our Dragon's Fury, which is a horrendous mix of, yeah, a horrendous mix of um, basically. Uh, well, Ted might not. Ted won't know, will he? So it's, the, it's actually the hottest natural chili sauce in the world, confirmed, right? So there's no essences in it or anything, but it's just full of super hots. And, you know, there's warnings about health and heart and all sorts of things on it. It's super, super hot. And we do it every week. So You guys are crazy. I think we kind of are. We are. Um, so, Ted, tell us, tell us what you've got. What, what, are, what are you going to be uh, enjoying tonight? Yeah, so a Kansas City special is called uh, Kansas City's Cowtown Night of the Living Barbecue Sauce. 
So this, I believe this is, I don't know if you guys remember um, Oklahoma Joe's barbecue. Now I think it's called Joe's in Kansas city, but it's a, it's a pretty popular barbecue joint. And I believe they have like uh, two or three sauces. And anyway, this is their super hot barbecue sauce. So I, awesome. yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's as hot as your stuff. But I mean, this is, this is pretty smoking. So. And I think you're, you're putting, you're putting yours onto some uh, roast potatoes, aren't you? Some sliced roast potatoes. So just for the record, that's my cracker. There's quite a lot so, on that. Yeah. Let's have a look at yours, Alex. Um, I'll just put a bit more on. It looks like you spread it out. You didn't really put my... I did spread it out and put, and put some more on. So mine's on there. Uh, I hope Noel is usually your crackers are stale, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, no, they're, they're fresh mine, today, mate. Mine is nice. That's actually, Ted, that, that's a good chunk on there, Ted. That's a decent chunk that's of... really uh, good. Casey. Cheers, guys. Yeah. I'm gonna, Cheers. I'm loading it up. Here we go. Cheers. It's pretty nasty. Hot, <laughs> like, straight like this. Now, I'm going to kill myself by talking while chewing. Um, we do have a no drinks policy, Ted, during this section. So there's no drinking. Oh, I was just going to ask you. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> no calming the flame while we're doing it. Oh, man. Um, oh. It's pretty warm, eh? This Mate, is honestly, a warm. Um, it just slams me every week. Section, how are you doing, Ted? How's yours coming? Are you feeling a bit of burn? You've got the burn. Got the burn. Check. Roger. Yep. Okay. I can feel mine in my heart right now. So the heart warming <laughs> may be um, needed. But I think, shall we, uh, oh, Jesus, shall we get started with the Fire Dragon Chili's questions for Ted Conrad of Fireboard Labs? Ted. What's your favorite type of barbecue to cook on and why? Uh, Primo Kamado. It's just uh, easy, easy, and super efficient. So like a Kamado Joe, like an egg style? Yep. Primo's kind of like a, looks like a green egg, but it's black, (laughs) but it's oval. I guess they make different kinds, but the the one I have is oval. I've cooked them on. They're awesome, eh? They are really good. Yeah, they're cool. And they've got a bit more surface area than around Kamado, so even even better on that front as well. Um, what what's your favorite meat to cook? Uh, I do ribs, and I you know I probably should be doing like I guess the the, uh, the I guess the St. Louis style spare ribs, but I, I do the baby back ribs so much. Mm-hmm. I just love, it seems like the family loves the baby back ribs. They're super easy to use, cook. I mean, it's just like consistent rolling off that Kamado keeps it pretty moist. Mm. And it's, so we really like their ribs. The kids kids love the ribs too. They're just like, hey, I want the ribs. So. Yeah. And it's not a 10-hour cook, which is always good, right? If you've got a family. Yeah. <laughs> Much easier, yep. Absolutely. Ooh, I tell you, the burn is hitting here. I Ooh. am – I think I got away with it quite a lot on the last show, Noel. I didn't get so much of the burn, but you certainly did. But right yeah. now the back of my tongue is exploding with heat. So, Same. um Apart from agreeing to come on 10 Burning Questions, Ted, what is your biggest fail to date? Biggest fail? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good question. You can choose barbecue or, uh, you know, fireboard related if you like. It's up to you. Or it's financial services. <laughs> I should show you. Uh, now, I was going to say, I mean, I, I guess I, I feel bad for the people that aren't um, able to see this, but um, the other day, 
so we were doing a video uh, shoot and we were trying to get some cool food for the video shoot, right? So it's kind of like the food shots and all that stuff. And uh, I cooked about these uh, plate ribs, like the, the plate beef ribs. Yep. Have you guys cooked those? Yes, certainly have. And um, I'll see if I can find it here. And so sure enough, I was cooking those out on this um, new pellet grill. It was kind of a little bit of experimental. I think I had it set up the wrong way. And um, I come back into the office because I'm monitoring it from the house, right? I come back in in the morning and sure enough, the whole thing went up in smoke. (laughs) (laughs) I had the diffuser plate on wrong. So I guess the grease was was dripping down right to the hopper yeah yeah. (laughs) onto the hopper and um yeah i felt kind of bad about that so there's a a charred a charred huge uh plate rib oh and (laughs) it's just just total ash Um, that is a pretty big it looks like a uh, it looks like a fossil yeah <laughs> excellent that's a good one <laughs> we'll see if we'll see if we can ask ted to send us that picture and we can post it up for you guys if he's uh willing to share the fail we'll, we'll yeah we'll see if we can get hold of it like can i have any water yet guys by the way no nah, not yet <laughs> <laughs> a little way to go okay when you cook your brisket do you tend to sauce the brisket or not i do not nope okay i uh you know honestly and it way I've done almost all the barbecues. I just, I don't even wrap, um, but I, I put it on. And then honestly, we usually, we slice the brisket. Uh, nobody uses sauce for the most part. Uh, once in a while, you know, people will use sauce. So we don't, we don't put any sauce on it by, by default. Nope. Mm. And you said you don't wrap it either, right? We don't, I don't wrap it. I mean, I, I have done that before, but it seems like usually I can get it. Uh, and I like to, get that, I guess, that little bit crispy bark, a little bit more, a little bit dry, kind of crispy on the edges. But, you know, having said that, you know, I'm not the barbecue expert. Like, you guys, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, we like to say we're a technology company, but we like barbecue. So, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'm, I'm still learning. <laughs> okay, well, let's see where we go here then. What's the strangest thing you've ever eaten? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, what could I say? Uh, it's funny. I was just in, uh, Vail with my, with my daughter and we went snowboarding Yeah, Vail, Colorado. And, uh, <clears throat> I was like, I was teaching her, we couldn't get into any restaurant cause it was just jam packed. So finally we found this nicer restaurant that was, there was like an opening, right? Because it was a little bit, a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. And so we went in there. And so I was teaching her, I was trying to tell her what caviar is, um, escargot, you know, I was like, <laughs> and so, um, and I have had escargot, so that's probably the answer, I suppose. But the, uh, but we had some, we had some oysters and so she powered down one of those. Um, and of course that's not that, not that exotic, but it, it's maybe that it's halfway answers your question. I think that was a fun, uh, experience with her. How old and is she? she She's nine. That's pretty impressive for a nine-year-old to have an oyster. Yeah. Did she enjoy it? Would she have another one? Or she said she would. Yeah. So, yep. Let's she try. had a couple. <laughs> Expensive school lunches coming up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Awesome. And what's the best barbecue um, that you've eaten that's not yours? 
So real quick. So Burnt Finger Barbecue is a competition team here in Kansas City. Uh, Jason and Megan Day. Um, and they're, they're incredible. Right. And so we've, we've sponsored them the last uh, three or f- two or three, four years. Um, again, everything's kind of on pause, you know, until barbecue stuff resumes, but um, we have been with them for American Royal. Uh, obviously the huge contest in the fall here in Kansas city. And we'll usually come down we come down for the parties and stuff, but then sun, Sunday is the turn in for the competition. And as soon as they turn in what they're very gracious about this, of course, all these people kind of like hover around, you know, and uh, waiting for the leftovers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to tell you, I mean, that that's probably the best barbecue I've ever had is what, you know, with what Jason and Megan turn in. And obviously they turned in the best. So what we're having is, is pretty much the best, but for whatever reason, they deemed it to be not worthy of turning in, but it's still unbelievable. Right. I mean, you guys, I'm sure you guys know this when you're turning stuff in. I mean, it's just, so that's, that's great barbecue what they have. Now there's a, there's a restaurant here in town, um, Q39. Now there's two, two Q39 restaurants here in Kansas city. And those are great restaurants. I mean, like they're, uh, their barbecue style and I guess class of food is just just a little bit higher than what you'd find. Incredible side dishes. So that for a restaurant, that's where we love to go. Mm, good, good to know. That's awesome. I'm just I was just trying to find where they're currently. Your burnt burnt uh, burnt finger barbecue is sitting on the 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 table here. Um, because they have got started up again in KCBS. Um, and I do like their name, Burnt Fingers. My uh, barbecue team is called Burnt Beginnings. So uh, we've obviously <laughs> followed the same, we've followed the same, same theme there. Uh, so what, what's been the best moment and think, I think I guess think about it as when you fireboard, what's been the best moment in the fireboard journey so far? Yeah. I mean, I will say that one cool, um, one cool moment, there's been a lot of, of fun little things that have come along the way. Um, one, one really cool thing was I remember in Kansas city here, I went down to Kansas city barbecue store and Dan Hathaway, you know, he's been great for us in the last you know, few years as we've launched fireboard. But, um, and by the way, uh, Kansas city barbecue store is connected to, Joe's, which again is a sauce, which I'm still reminded of as I'm talking. <laughs> uh, but but Dan uh, looked at the fireboard and I literally brought it down in a box and it was almost literally the first conversation I had with any store. And, you know, I showed Dan what we had and it was just, you know, I asked him, would he be interested? And he was like, wow, this is really cool. You know, and that was it was, it was pretty emotional, you know, to be honest, cause it's just the amount of work leading up and it was almost two years. I mean, it was, I think a year and, you know, three quarters or whatever. And it's just the amount of work that went into that point And you're literally pouring your whole life into building this product. Right. And it's like up very late nights, you know, and then working all day, kind of doing that over and over again. And not to mention, I mean, we, you know, there's financial risk with startups. I mean, you put effectively your, is all of you know, all or most of your, 
of if you're effectively or whatever you had of, of net worth, you know, kind of going into this company and all of a sudden you kind of get that affirmation from somebody who's like, wow, this is really cool. You know, so all of a sudden it was like, wow, that's a really, that was, that was kind of an emotional moment. Uh, kind of talking to Dan and, and kind of listening to his interest and that he was so impressed, you know, with what we had built. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Awesome. And um, what's your preferred style to cook, low and slow or hot and fast? What do you find yourself doing the most? <laughs> yeah, I've been a little bit more hot and fast. You know, um, I'll I'll bump up, gosh, most, you know, brisket, pulled pork, even ribs. I'll, I'll bump it up to 270, you know, to close to, not usually 300, but I mean, you know, 280, two, you know, somewhere in that ballpark. And I don't know if, I guess, would you guys consider that? hot and fast. I mean, I think that to me is a little bit, a little bit hotter than I guess some guys would. Yeah. I think in, in America, I think there's still two two five, right. It's still the sort of low temperature point, but um, yeah, no, it's definitely hotter and faster than usual for sure. I think some of the guys here are running three fifty now for briskets, which is quite interesting. So you smash out a seven or eight kilo brisket in four or five hours, you know, but uh, yeah, I, I quite like somewhere in between myself. So I think you're right there too. I think it just it, yeah. it depends on do you value sleep or not. That's the uh, <laughs> the key to how hot you want to run. Uh, if you could sit down for a plate of barbecue and talk with anyone in barbecue, who would that be? Mm. You know, we sat down with Tuffy Stone at the American Royal. We were oh. he was gracious enough to sit down and um, have just a, a short conversation, but it was kind of at the end of the night. It was everybody was really tired and he was willing to do it, which was really nice of him. But if we could just, you know, he's been in the world. I think he's, he, he seemed like such a humble and gracious person, really, really nice guy. And obviously his experience with, with barbecue, he's one of the top, top guys. I would, I'd love to sit down and just kind of pick his brain for a while. It'd be kind of fun. Yeah. He would be, he would be a great one. And he has a few New Zealand connections. Um, he's been down here and one of our top comp guys often goes over for memphis in may when it's on and cooks with tuffy so he's a he's definitely a, one of the gents great guy. yep super humble super approachable mm. yeah he's a great guy cool so if you were starting barbecuing again knowing what you know now um what one would one, one thing would you do differently <laughs> yeah starting barbecuing again um you know it, and I, I'll interpret that question maybe to be um, an open door into just sort of starting the business. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, I, I would encourage, I would encourage anybody who's, who's wanting to kind of take that leap, you know, into kind of starting something and should they start it? Should they not? And of course there's so many factors that go into, you know, starting a business but I would encourage people to be willing to take the risk. You know, you're never going to get um, to the point where there's, where there's never any risk. You try to, you try to do certain things to minimize it. Um, and so I think for myself, you know, if anything, I probably would have maybe done it a little bit earlier, you know, maybe I would have jumped and kind of taken that leap a little bit earlier. But there were certain things I was waiting on with, you know, trying to build up and get myself into a position where I felt like I could do that. Um, so the timing has to be right. Um, but I, you know, I, I do think I, I probably could have jumped just a little bit earlier and 
maybe that would have given us even just a little bit more of a head start because at, in 2014 and 15, the whole internet of things and these connected sensors and devices was right in that explosive period of growth. I mean, now, now everybody already has, everything is Wi-Fi connected already, but like in 2014 and 15, it wasn't everything. It was just a few things that were starting and it was, I mean, it was quite a few things in 2015 and whatnot. But I mean, there was, there was enough of a, of a growth trajectory. So I think if we would have been a little bit ahead of it, even more ahead of it, that would have been better. So that's, that's all my encouragement. And, you know, just, just, you know, don't, don't be afraid to take the plunge. I think it's, it, it matches really well with a, uh, with stuff that we say when people are like, Oh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm ready to jump into competition yet. And every, everyone who's either in competition or, or people like us will be, uh, we just say, just do it. And it doesn't yeah. matter. You know, it's better to get in and get started than it is to be sitting on the sidelines wondering when the best time to get in is the best time is right now. And just yep. as, as soon as you can. Well, Ted, we can let you have a drink now. You've you survived ten burning questions. <laughs> um, you you've been a great guest, and we we really appreciate you visiting with us and spending some time with us. That's a big glass mm. with a lot of ice in it there for Ted. <laughs> just saying. this is my this is my fireboard cup. Uh, by the way, <clears throat> uh, for any of the you can buy these actually on our website now. Fireboard, very cool. I think we need. We need you to pop a pop a shipment of them down to Derek uh, yep. in the next in the next run, so he can 100%. he can sell <laughs> yeah. some of those to us down here. But thank you so much for joining us on Barbecue Base. It's been a fascinating um, insight into the world of um, temperature devices and fireboard itself. And as you know, Nolan and I are big fans of uh, the product. Very so, much. So. Mm. so thank you very much for spending some time with us. Well, you're wel- welcome. Thank you, guys. It's been great, and uh, we. We love it that we're we're down there and we're happy to kind of have these partnerships down in New Zealand and can't wait to actually visit and hang out in person. We'll have some barbecue. We are definitely <laughs> looking definitely looking forward to that. Now, Ted, before we, uh, we let you go, where can they find you online? Uh, where can they follow you for updates, all that kind of stuff? What are the best, best channels? Yep. Uh, fireboard.com. And our Facebook is just you know, Facebook slash Fireboard Labs. Uh, full company name, obviously, is Fireboard Labs, but uh, fireboard.com has all the links, you know, if you want to contact us over email. Plus, on, I believe, based on your IP, if you're checking out on the store, it should route you on the New Zealand side to Derek's distribution stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people should be able to kind of source through him which is obviously quicker shipping and all that should be, should be a better price buying it there in New Zealand. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Without the shipping from the States, definitely. Um, (laughs) So, Hey Ted, thanks very much. That's where you can find Ted and the fireball guys. If you want to find um, barbecue base, obviously we are barbecue base, New Zealand NZ on Facebook. If you want to keep up with Noel meet mafia collective on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Um, how are those TikTok dances coming on, Noel? Are coming they, along, mate. 
Get more practice. TikTok dancing. I, I'm yet to yet to brave the world of TikTok, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and if you get really, really uh, down the bottom of, you just got nothing to look at. You can come find me at Burnt Beginnings on Instagram and Facebook. So please remember to um, give us a subscribe a rate and a review, especially if you're on Apple podcast, because that does help us with those pesky algorithms that Apple like to run. Um, and we'd love to hear from you as well. Give us a like on Facebook. Uh, keep subscribed for all the latest updates and the next shows coming out. And that has been another edition of Barbecue Base. How was the uh, how was the ten burning questions, Ted? I hope it wasn't too uh, spicy for you. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. I, I probably had it a little bit easier than you guys did, but we hate you. <laughs> <laughs>